Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 66 Binwick, the Death Tyrant Chef. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Travis Frederick's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests, the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. I'm joined by an awesome guest, but I'm going to leave you on that tantalizing cliffhanger with this ad read, our first sponsor. This show is brought to you by Plus One EXP. My previous guest, Tony Vicinda, is the mastermind uh, behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He has a variety of beard balms named after all of the basic stats from Dungeons & Dragons. So get a bottle, apply it to your facial features, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards & Beyond is the independent tabletop role-playing game that helped to launch his brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other indie games, including Repugnant with Terrible Games, I Toaster, a brave little toaster-inspired TTRPG, Down We Go, a game which seeks to capture the heart of old-school tabletop gaming. And since this recording is our Christmas episode, I do have to say that Tony also wrote something called The Santa Side Squad, which I am very excited to run for my family this holiday season. So, uh, if you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something from them or supporting them on Patreon and the like, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to reinvest that money and support additional independent tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch in order to keep up with all the various projects going on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these amazing and quirky independent tabletop role-playing games. And if you don't mind, when you head on over to plus1exp.com, use my affiliate code RANDOLPH when you're buying a beard bomb or a beard RPG game in order to save some coin on your purchase at no extra cost to you. So again, that code is RANDOLPH, R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. Without further ado, I turn to my guest and ask, who are you and what is it that you do? Well, hello, my name's Travis Frederick, and I'm the co-founder and CTO at Demiplane. 
And Demiplane is an online platform for tabletop role-playing games. Um, what we do is we have a place for people to connect, uh, whether that's finding parties or using voice and video to play uh, multiple different games. We don't just handle uh, D&D, we handle you know, hundreds of games uh, on our system. And then we also provide high quality digital tools to help enhance people's games and allow them to enjoy and play better sessions. Um, our goal is to make gameplay better no matter what you play and where you play. Uh, it's all in one place. And we recently just launched Pathfinder Nexus, which is the official digital tool set of Pathfinder 2E. That's awesome. Yes, there is a, yeah, there's a lot going on with Demiplane. I do have to say, if you want a personal testimonial, I know that in preparation for the D&D one shot that I ran for my coworkers, uh, I was like, well, I've heard about this Demiplane from my good buddy and fellow podcaster, Andrew Strother. So perhaps I need to check out this Demiplane because, oh, you know, I've, I've played a game or two on, on Roll20 or I've used Fantasy Grounds a couple times now over the pandemic. But, you know, what's something that I can do that's system agnostic, but it also is like free to use and it's like easy to pick up. So I was like, OK, well, I'll try this Demiplane. And, uh, you know, I had a little bit of a hiccup with just making sure that uh, my players accepted their invites in order to get in the game. But uh, Mr. Frederick himself was the one uh, that responded to my tech support question, which was super <laughs> awesome. So there's that personal touch, even from the CTO himself. And yeah, we were able to run the game. It was successful and a lot of fun. And so now we're turning our one shot into a campaign. So awesome. That's awesome. I have to thank Demiplane for that, of course. That's fantastic. Yeah, we uh, we just try and make it easy for everybody. And we know that lots of different people have favorite types of games or favorite platforms they like to adventure on. Um, and, you know, one thing that we think is really important is the people around the table. So our focus is always on those people. And that's why we started with voice and video is just so that people can stay connected, whether it's, you know, outside of the game, there's chat and uh, persistent chat and you can find your party, like I said, but also there's notes and task lists that you can keep track of your, your game. Um, and then also like during the game, you can have that voice and video that keeps you well connected. So it's all about the people around the table in our opinion. As we're continuing along this uh, conversation, I do have to mention to our listening audience, because like I told Mr. Frederick, this is a audio medium, not a visual medium. So <laughs> you, the listeners can't see uh, the awesome beard that Mr. Frederick is sporting. And so I told him before we started rolling, oh man, this first ad read that you're going to hear is probably going to be something up your alley. So maybe hopefully we can get you uh, connected uh, with Mr. Tony as well, who also sports an awesome beard and likes to make uh, beard bombs and independent tabletop role-playing games, which I'm sure a lot of people out there will use Demiplane to play over the internet. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Uh, there's so many beard products out there, uh, but it's hard to find the right ones. So uh, when you mix beard products and tabletop role-playing games, I think you probably can't go wrong. <laughs> I think this is a softball question, or sorry, I think this is a perfect spiral pass, uh, but do you currently <laughs> or have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons before? Uh, I have played Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, I currently play in two different games, um, neither of which are Dungeons & Dragons, but they're closely related. I play a Star Wars variant of Dungeons & Dragons 5e, which I really enjoy, and I'm also playing a game of Pathfinder currently. Awesome. I don't know any juicy tidbits uh, that you can throw us this way since it will be a Christmas time. Like, any exciting things going on in the game? Uh, right now, we are uh, in the midst of escaping uh, in, in our Star Wars adventure. Mm -hmm. um, there is a... 
a group of, of merry men and um, their leader, uh, Robin Wood. And Robin Wood is facing this terrible uh, evil internet, oh, I'm sorry, hollow net uh, <laughs> master who is uh, basically trying to take everyone's hollow net and jack up the prices and there's only one of them so they're terrible and so you know we've been faced with uh trying to steal from sharif and make sure that everyone can get their hollow net at a reasonable price and 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 affordable so we broke in we were deep in the middle of the compound and uh there was a turns out there was a trap that was set we tried to get out there's all sorts of people all over the place and we're like right on a cliffhanger we don't know what's going to happen and uh there's probably at least one big battle that's coming up so pretty excited for that that's coming up in the next couple of weeks um and uh yeah it's gonna be pretty awesome since we're talking about star wars and pathfinder and all these other games i like to ask my guests on my show do you happen to have a favorite npc or sidekick character whether they're from an rpg a video game television movies plays etc and why is this particular person your favorite npc so i have a, a favorite npc that was in one of the my DD variant games and this person's name was taylor and taylor was sometimes sometimes a sidekick sometimes an npc and sometimes a villain and you could never really tell when she was uh when she was one of those things uh, she played the lines very carefully and uh, I think that's probably why she's one of my favorites. And, and she continues to show up in multiple games that we play, uh, you know, in, in the same universe. Uh, because I think she's a fan favorite all the way through. And uh, she definitely has her own interests in mind. Um, and is not afraid to leverage the people around her to get what she wants. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I think at least, I think there's good in her. And everyone tries to get that out and tries to foster that. And then, you know, she'll backstab you and, and run away with your massive prize or your reward. Uh, but then turns out she took it somewhere else and turned it into something greater and comes back and provides it to you. So uh, it is a uh, it's a roller coaster of emotions anytime you see Taylor. And uh, you have to try and do your best as a role player to not let the previous experiences with Taylor affect your current character's interaction with her. So I think that's probably my favorite. As well, we like to ask on our show, do you happen to have a favorite side quest, either from RPG, video games, film, television, literature, etc.? And why has it been one of your favorite side quests? Yeah, I think my most favorite side quest, at least recently, was one that I had a couple of weeks ago in a game that I was playing. And you know, I had no idea that it was going to be a side quest. Uh, it kind of was one of those things that randomly occurred uh, because I'm one of those people that always challenges the game master with, and what, you know, what's next or what's around that corner. Um, and, you know, my game masters don't always love that because I try to push the boundaries of their, their maps and things. But I ended up um, going out with, uh, you know, quote, one of our friends uh, in our party and they had heard that there was this super rare pet somewhere um in the city and so we you know of course i just said yes that was nothing that i was interested in doing it had nothing to do with the campaign itself uh, but i thought hey this is cool you know everybody wants a good pet um you know and so it turns out this this pet was in a compound of this man who was had been smuggling rare animals and had like all of these like massive things in their mansion and so we had to try and get into this mansion of course is full of security you know, everyone's around and 
you know, we maybe have had a few drinks along the way. So we were just <laughs> kind of stumbling past the house and realized that this was it. And, uh, you know, of course, our, our good judgment uh, with our great drinks told us that we should probably try and get in there. And so we came across uh, somebody that was, you know, unloading these boxes into the back of the property and convinced them that, you know, we were good at carrying things. We'd be happy to help them. You know, they're just trying to get out of there. It's the middle of the night. And so we, we get in and we find this rare animal somewhere in this mansion. And the problem was when we opened the gate to that, we opened the, the gate to all of the animals. And they're all <laughs> these like super rare, you know, uh, crazy, crazy animals. And so we had to uh, escape our way out of there while continuing to have the rare pet, uh, but not, you know, getting eaten by the rest of the animals. So it was a uh, it was a very interesting evening that I think was meant to be like a, a five second conversation about uh, some random person, and we ended up spending you know three or four hours in this uh, in this mansion trying to get it out. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like uh, kind of like the beginning plot of a uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, we'll just zip <laughs> in. We'll get a rare animal. We won't have to worry about the uh, the power going out and all the dangerous wildlife being released. That's right. Don't ever worry about those things. That doesn't actually happen in real life, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then the last question uh, that we have here in our personal interview section, what are you passionate about and why? I'm passionate about um, helping with childhood hunger. Um, childhood hunger is a massive problem uh, throughout the United States, throughout the world. And um, you know, I have seen this firsthand and it's, it's really unfortunate. I grew up in a community that struggles with childhood hunger and, and has a high poverty level. And I didn't know it when I was a kid. Um, it was one of those things that was just kind of hidden to me and I was probably a, a oblivious to it. Um, and I went away to a city and was helping to give food back to people. And I saw these kids coming through this line and you know, the smile on their faces that they were going to be getting that first meal that they'd had in some time uh, really just, it tugged at my heartstrings. And so from then on, I started doing everything that I could to help with that and to help provide a conduit to a lot of the people that want to help um, and to the people that actually need that help. And so I created a foundation called the Blocking Hunger Foundation where we raise money and um, we have events and such um, and then funnel money and programs into childhood hunger in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So we have a couple of programs that we do. We provide backpacks of food when kids are outside of school because uh, the USDA has great programs in place for when kids are in school, they get free breakfast and free lunch, uh, but they often lose access to those meals when they're on breaks. Um, and so we provide meals during those breaks. And then we also have put in four pantries into schools in Dallas where kids can go in, kids and their parents can go in on Fridays and grab food um, to help get them through the weekend. And that helps one, it helps with their ability to learn and retain information on Mondays and Tuesdays early on in the week, but also sometimes it can take uh, the financial strain off of those families over the weekend that they can afford to have a couple of dinners uh, throughout the course of the week as well. And so, you know, we try to do our best to find areas of pockets that have been missed by other pantries and things like that. Um, so we, it's, it's been our mission to find people that are not currently being serviced uh, by another program and make sure that they are getting some food uh, during those times. That's awesome. That, you know, just a stellar, yeah, that's stellar. That's, that, that I'm just awestruck and just amazed that that is what you're passionate about. And that's, that's super awesome. Like you were saying, you know, how the original uh, impetus, the, the cause of this tugged at your heartstrings, just, just hearing that and, and your, your commitment 
uh, in whatever ways you can, not only to help us locally here in the DFW area, but inspiring that beyond your neighborhood is just awesome. And so I hope that, um, you know, we can continue that forward and, and, and inspire change uh, locally with others as well. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, like I said, I, I try to do what I can, um, but I can't do it by myself. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of a lot of help along the way and a lot of people that that care and, and want to make a difference. And that difference doesn't always have to be donating money. You know, it can be you know, volunteering at your local food pantry or, you know, helping to distribute food um, in one of these programs. So uh, I just encourage people to do something because even if it doesn't seem like it's making a difference, a lot of the little things can add up to be a lot of big things. Amen to that. All right. Well, I think it's time that we head into some NPC creation. All right. So uh, the big mystery here is uh, what kind of character are we going to make today? Do you have some sort of idea uh, that you would like to put forward? Do you have a character already that you want to turn into an NPC? Or I can tell you, lots of people have rolled the dice and, uh, and have had some fun discovering an NPC along the way. Yeah, I would say for me, one of my favorite things to do is take something uh, and create a character off of it. So I think rolling the dice is the best way to do this. It's one of my favorite things to do in creating a, a PC as well. Okay, perfect. So if you've got all of your dice at the ready, I do. Uh, the first question that we have to answer is what is the character's name? We will find that out by rolling the D20. All right, here we go. Four. Not a great roll to start off. Good thing it's just for a name. <laughs> well, the name that you have is Binwick. Nice. B-I-N-W-I-C-K. Binwick. So we are off to a great start. I love it. All right. The next thing to determine is what is the ancestry of this character? Let's go ahead and roll 2d10 for a d100 effect. All right. D100. 84. 84. Okay, I have to scroll down the list here to see what that is. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Binwick is a beholder of any kind. Oh. So, if there's any kind of beholder that you want to play with, that's what Binwick is. I didn't know there was different kinds of beholders. Oh, yeah. There's loads of them. Have you never cracked open a monster manual and just leafed through it? Oh, my gosh. Not through the beholder section, evidently. <laughs> Beholders. So there's a number of them here that I'm looking at on the Forgotten Realms wiki page. Mm -hmm. um, so some of them, I believe, include like a Death Kiss, Director, Eye of the Deep, Gauf, Gazer. Gazers, I think, are the little ones. Uh, Gouger, Observer, Overseer, Spectator. Oh, and then there's Undead Beholders, too. Elder Orb, Eye of Flame, Eye of Frost, Hive Mother, Mind Oh, Mind Witness is the, um, I think Mind Witness is the Mind Flayer manipulated beholder. So, yeah, there's a load of different kinds of beholders out there. Here we go. Look at this. This gouger looks unreal. Okay, gouger? Oh, a ruthless carnivores that hunted beholders. Where beholder can created by Ferrim to combat beholders. Oh, it's a third edition oh, that's monster. Not what I want. That's not what we need here. Death Tyrant. Death Tyrants were undead beholders akin to zombies. But I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, let's go. Oh yeah, it does speak languages. Okay, good to know. Deep speech under common. But of course, a dungeon master can come up with any reason why a beholder might speak a different language of some other kind. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> let's see. We've got the name. We've got the ancestry. 
What is the job or role in society for Binwick the Death Tyrant Beholder? That will require us to roll a D10. <laughs> just a regular D10. Okay. So that's a seven. Seven. I feel like this is not your standard uh, Death Tyrant. Right, right. Uh, well, our answer for this was provided by previous guest, Darby Pack. Chef! So Binwick the Death Tyrant Beholder is a chef. I love it. I love this. I love where this is going. <laughs> All right. And then let's see. How old is this particular Death Tyrant Beholder chef? That will require us to roll a D8. All right. Four. Four is adult. So like an adult age beholder. An adult age beholder. All right. I don't see anything in here what the adult age of a beholder is. but I know that they form, I think, from just dreams of the uh, far realm and stuff like that and that's how they kind of just uh, materialize if my nerd lore serves me right <laughs> I mean it makes sense to me so probably like 10 minutes then or <laughs> yeah it could be <laughs> 10 minutes or uh, yeah or, or whatnot. we'll just go with adult so now we get to take a slight pause from the dice rolling because now that we have all of these clues uh these initial values in mind let's describe the physical appearance of binwick so when we look at binwick what are we going to see so with binwick you're going to see uh you know your traditional beholder traits you know that big eye and you you'll see this green ooze that comes you know sort of dripping down and it, it's some sort of magical ooze that as it drips off it never actually hits the ground below it it, it sort of disappears into midair it's a it's like a constant sweat of green ooze that's like bubbling green like maybe like a dark uh with some like black shadowy in there um and it just kind of disappears into the shadows as it falls down there a big wide open mouth mm -hmm. um with not that sharp teeth like it, you would expect it to be scarier and, and sharper but these are like pretty standard chompers uh that would be good for uh you know perhaps maybe even uh, a vegetarian and then let's see if we had to pick three adjectives to describe benwick which three adjectives would you use i would say this is a large ovular oozy blob <laughs> if oozy blob is one adjective okay oozy blob okay oozy blob yeah right hyphenated of course yeah exactly all right so continuing on with our dice rolling here what is a valuable item piece of lore secret or ideal or concept that benwick would ascribe to this is a combo punch of a roll we get to roll a d4 first for the category and then it's a d6 okay all right so we got a four on category Okay, so that is an ideal or concept. Excellent. And D6, I got a three. Uh, so the ideal or concept that Benwick cares about is guild. So is perhaps Benwick part of some sort of culinary guild of some kind? Oh, absolutely. This is a, this is a culinary guild that uh, Benwick was dreamt up um, as part of because it is in the far reaches that no humanoid can reach, and uh, they needed a, a chef that would be able to handle some of the things there. And so, by you know harnessing magic and uh, you know the, his his undead traits, he was able to survive out in the you know in the bitter cold 
reaches of the, the far depths uh, to help serve the organization that, that he belonged to. So interesting, uh, you know, this, uh, this culinary guild, uh, is it just specifically like within this um, underdark or far realm type uh, environment, or does it span uh, the dimensions and the, uh, and the societies, as it were? This is spanning, absolutely. This is, this is a large, a large guild, culinary guild that serves many, many masters, many uh, different other uh, you know, companies, if you will. Kings and queens, emperors, and and minor deities and stuff. Exactly. You know, if you ever need good food, this you call this culinary guild because you know they can make anything from any of the realms because they have uh, you know they have their recipe cards that are interdimensional. Oh, awesome! (laughs) (laughs) Of course, with all of our NPCs, we like to have them planted in a game with a side quest built in. So, what is going to be a particular side quest? that Benwick would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on his behalf. If you're inspired, you can totally come up with that now. Or again, if you'd like to roll that last dice, uh, it's just going to be a D12 roll. You know, I think this makes total sense to me that uh, this is a dungeon crawl specifically to find a rare herb that is deep in the depths of a, of a mountain cave. Okay. Requires a travel obviously mm-hmm. so it's it's a you know daunting journey to get there and once you get there it's even more daunting to go into the dungeon to get this rare herb and then uh you know if it was up to me at the end of it uh Benwick would create this meal mm-hmm. and you'd see you'd notice that it's just the tiniest amount of this herb that you could have ever possibly needed <laughs> Like, there's no way that it made any difference in the dish, but it's required by the Chef's Guild's interdimensional recipe cards. Of course, you've got to follow the recipe. If you don't, you get kicked out or something. Exactly. That's right. Okay. That is very funny. So it's like, okay, we came back with 50 pounds of this stuff. And he's like, hold on, hold on. Beak, and like puts it on. And <laughs> exactly. it's like, they're like, what? That's all you needed? It's like, well, now you have more than... I have more than I need now. That's awesome. That's right. I won't have to, you know, deal with measly adventurers like you in the future. Oh, awesome. I was going to say, are you imagining this uh, this dungeon crawl for the rare herb? Is the lethality level like on par with something like the Tomb of Horrors or something like that? Uh, I feel like this is one of those that feels like a like funhouse dungeon. Difficult. Yeah, but it just goes on and on and you get lost, like you said, funhouse dungeon and requires more mental acuity uh, than anything else. But that's that's not how it leads on. It leads on like it's going to be, uh, you know, your standard dungeon crawl. But uh, it turns out it's, a, it's actually a series of puzzles. Oh, that's fun. That's awesome. Of course, a beholder would send you off on this insane quest. Of, of course. All right. Well, we like to consider with our side quests, uh, what's going to be the reward for succeeding? So they go through this funhouse dungeon hell. Uh, they get the herb. They bring it back. How is Benwick going to reward them? Well, uh, it's tough. You know, as a chef, you don't often have a lot of rewards to give. But when you're a death iron beholder, you know, there's also something else. So perhaps this the reward is at the beginning of the quest is promise of riches from the, the, the king and queen that the beholder services. And um, at the end of it, gets the herb back there, makes the dish, 
and everyone has to sit uh, and join for dinner, and it's a long, drawn-out dinner with very bad conversation that they have to sit through. And then at the end of it, they find out that uh, the king and queen don't have any heirs, and it's it's time that they're going to be passing things on. They're too old to do this. Uh, and so they actually get the kingdom. They actually get the whole kingdom Whoa. Uh, that, that they're going to be in charge of, and the death tyrant... Uh, is will now be you know working for them, servicing them. But little do they know, quests continue. As uh, the reason the king and queen were actually leaving was because they knew that uh, they knew people were coming for the kingdom, and uh, so then they'd have to you know handle that stronghold and handle the the future quest beyond that. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's like congratulations, you have a stronghold and a kingdom, but now you have to defend it against all five invading armies. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> but we also have to consider the flip-flop. Uh, for this seemingly simple errand, uh, what would be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure? So they somehow find themselves in the presence of this kingdom and this mm -hmm. chef who comes to them for this aid. How is he going to react when they say, no, thank you, or they go into the dungeon and they never return? <laughs> Well, I think I think a no thank you is met with um, perhaps some you know, fear-based intimidation uh, to try and get them to do it. You know, at the end of the day, the chef's guild doesn't allow for violence uh, against adventurers, but the promise of riches, you know, hopefully is enough. Uh, paired with the fear of staring at this large ovular oozy blob, you know, um, hopefully it's enough to get it done, and then. You know, if things don't go well and they come back empty-handed, um, that's even worse. That's, uh, they've been waiting. Benwick's been waiting for this to happen. So perhaps, I don't know, Benwick has to go, has to go do it himself. Oh, and, wow. uh, if Benwick has to go do it himself, you know, he's, he has to let the kitchen go. So the king and queen are also upset. And, uh, I think it's a, you like, they'll have to escape. No longer is it a, a nice way out. Um, you know, the king's guards would, would be chasing them out, you know, shooing them out, um, and they would be spreading terrible rumors about them in the nearby uh, cities. And then this is the downward spiral that eventually leads Benwick into becoming a proper death tyrant who now lords over a funhouse dungeon. And anyone else who comes along, because he's gone mad with uh, trying to get this herb, uh, but now, because he couldn't follow the interdimensional recipe card, abandoned his kitchen and therefore had to turn in his metaphorical apron to the super chef overlord or whatnot. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he has a mental break, uh, goes insane. And then, uh, yeah, now he's your next big, bad, evil villain. <laughs> it sounds like this is actually how the story should go. I, I really like that, you know. It can go well, but we actually hope that it goes poorly so that this this true evolution of Binwick can come, come to fruition. All right. Well, now that we've uh, seemingly dreamed up a, a death tyrant from the ether, I think it's time that we throw him into a random encounter. Right. So this random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They've been Texas Titans here in the tabletop industry since 1994, and they're right here in our collective backyard of DFW. Uh, and they've got an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with uh, tutorials and interviews. 
uh, whatever system you're running, like Demiplane, whatever game you're playing, Reaper Miniatures has got you covered. Uh, you know, every time you shop with them and spend at least $40 on your purchase, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month for free. And it's always something new and changing. So go shop with them often so you can add to your collections quicker. Uh, if you visit my website, sidekicksandsidequest.com, I have a link uh, towards Reaper Miniatures that helps build our affiliate relationship. So if you use my referral link and you go and shop on their store, uh, you're actually helping to support Sidekicks and Sidequest because we're building that relationship. We're combining our Texas powers of might together. And I know at this point in the recording, uh, this holiday season, I've gotten at least two gift cards from Reaper Miniatures. So I'm very excited to spend that money and uh, get some new minis for myself to hopefully uh, paint uh, myself and then stick them in my stocking or something. So that'd be great. Um, so again, go to my website, sidekicksandsidequest.com. Use the uh, referral link to get over to Reaper Miniatures. And uh, be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. So thank you, Reaper Miniatures. All right. So of course... We're in the random encounter section, so this is a role play scenario. Uh, I think it's only right that you should be the voice of Benwick to bring Benwick to life. But the question that I have is, who should I be playing in the scene? It could be something as easy as, you know, oh, I'm the royal figure that's telling you that, oh, I'm looking for this special dish. Um, I could be just one of my adventurer characters that I have in a pool. Uh, ready to kind of uh, accept the quest and to, and to go on from that point forward? Or what are you thinking uh, might be a good role play scenario here to showcase and show off Benwick? I think that it would make, uh, make a lot of sense for you to be one of the adventurers coming in to find adventure or maybe having stumbled upon the castle. Okay, uh, we have three to choose from. So we have Duncan, who is the suicidally brave, chaotic, good, lucky adventurer for hire. We have Sonia, who's the warrior woman, now also multi-classing into a paladin. Uh, and then we have Korak, who is the lawful, evil, arcane trickster, dwarvish rogue. And those are the characters we have. Or if you feel like we need a brand new character to add, we have done that before live on the air where we've just kind of created a brand new podcast NPC uh, to kind of fit the mold and then be able to be used in future roleplay uh, random encounters. I think the Arcane Trickster Dwarf is the perfect candidate. Okay, Korak. Korak. Perfect. Okay, so we will set the scene then. So when we last left our hero, or villain, question mark, uh, Korak the Dwarf was helping out a pair of composers, the lovely sisters, Eleanor and Adriana, and they were just looking for their friend. Uh, so he was able to use his skills as a rogue to quickly... Uh, locate this person and report back to them on the location of this person. Never mind that uh, these composers seemingly had an evil glint in their eye. It didn't make any mind to Korak, but suffice it to say, after uh, bidding his uh, new friends farewell, uh, he journeyed on, word down the road, and soon found himself in another kingdom far off, walking by the castle thinking, oh, you know, I might case this place out. I might try and sneak my way in through the kitchen, perhaps try and see what loot I can make off with. And so he very deftly, swiftly, stealthily, quietly makes his way uh, past guards over parapets, careening down uh, tapestries and banners and chandeliers and whatnot. And he finds himself in the dark 
and foreboding kitchens of this uh, mammoth castle. But he is completely startled when he sees this large, ovular, oozy blob uh, just kind of floating in front of this roaring fire in front of a cauldron. And he stops dead in his tracks. And he quickly rummages around and he like grabs a cloth uh, and he throws it over his arm and he tries his best to roll a deception roll to be like, uh, I'm just here, the new waiter. Uh, let, let me know what you need, boss. Uh, and we'll say uh, that his, uh, his deception check is, is very low. Um, so it's probably very easy for Binwick to tell that perhaps uh, this is not, in fact, a new waiter. Oh, there are no new waiters here. Why are you here, little dwarf? Oh, uh, um, okay. All right, all right. He'll uh, take the cloth off. And he'll just kind of hold his hands up and he'll be like, all right, uh, you caught me. Um, I was just sneaking. I, uh, I was just passing through the neighborhood and I thought, oh, you know, why don't I stop by the castle and uh, and see my friends, you know, see how they're doing. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's he's staring at Benwick and you can tell he's kind of quivering a little bit, but he's he's trying to keep his cool and he's trying to play it off as if, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be here and, like, you know, no problem for me here. Binwick continues to drip this slimy ooze off and floats a little bit higher and a little bit closer and says, I've never seen you here before. There are no friends here for you. Are you one of those mangy adventure types? Uh, well, it depends. I don't know. Do you need a job done? Because, uh, quickly pull out some daggers and he does like these fancy dagger moves. He's rolling them over his fingers. He's flipping them up in the air. You know, he's trying to show off a little bit and then he let, lets one throw up and boom, it lands like in a cutting board. And then he quickly like and pulls it out and then sticks it back in his belt. Kind of like doing like a little flare and like, ta-da. Binwick uh, kind of floats back and then immediately gets close up into the face of the little dwarf and says, why, yes, how convenient that you've made my presence this evening. I have been tasked by the king and queen to make chicor cakes their favorite meal. But alas, I am missing one of the most important ingredients in the chicor cakes. Blast, what shall I do? I need someone to go to the depths of the cave of Aberlast, find the mellow chicory plant deep within its depths, return it to me, and you could enjoy some of the mellow chicory cakes as well. Korak will roll a history check, and probably in the rare exception for him, we'll say he does really well on this check, and you see his eyes get wide, and he's like, uh, I, I... You jest. Surely, I, you're really going to make these? I've only heard tell of the royal dwarven families ever being able to eat these things. You're telling me that you can make these things? I am one of the farthest, oldest members of the chef's guilds of the old dwarves, and I've been passed along the recipes for many, many generations, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. For these mellow chicor cakes, this is a tasty treat that you would not find many places. Uh, alas, on top of that, 
The king and queen are so happy after they've eaten their chico cakes from my delicious ovens. Perhaps they will reward you. The reason that they've been able to have these delicious treats with gold and riches and whatever it is that sneaky folks like you find in a place like this. You see, uh, like it says in the uh, the Foreigner Jukebox Hero song, you see stars in his <laughs> eyes at those words. And he's like, yes, this sounds like a task right up my alley. All right, Master Chef, tell me where I need to go and I will go get these herbs for you for these legendary treats. The entrance to the cave is far across the summer mountains and through the extra plains. Once you've reached the far side of the plains, you will see one entrance. In the middle of nowhere, you'll see the obelisks standing around. Enter the cave, reach its farthest depths, and that is where you will find the glowing plant that is the mellow chicory. Retrieve it. Bring it back to me within the fortnight, and we shall feast. You've got a deal. And scene. I love it. Awesome. (laughs) That was amazing. That was fantastic. Thank you. Oh, of course. You're welcome. Uh, as we're starting to enter into our final thoughts section here of the show, what did you think of the random encounter of your experience here today? I loved it. I, uh, you know, admittedly was not sure what the, where we would end up today. And uh, boy, Binwick is a unique character. For that, sure. Uh, is right up, it's right up my, my alley. I love taking just, uh, you know, some sort of thing and, and creating something fun out of it. And uh, I love the way that you were able to rift on it and, and take it to somewhere greater. I, I actually now will take Binwick and make him the, the big bad evil in one of my campaigns. That is, uh, in the, the, of course, in the backstory, someone has, has turned him down. He's gone to find it himself and uh, he's gotten lost. I love, I love the idea of it that uh, he now looks over this cave. Uh, and tries to find it and continues to to search. I love it. It's fantastic. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear. We're on a couple of different social media platforms. So, you know, just to be able to hear about it, say like on somewhere like Reddit would be amazing just to hear like, well, here's what really happened in in my game, in my story when I used Binwick. (laughs) We're always open to that for anyone to, to chime in and let us know where these NPCs end up in your campaigns and and how they differ, because while Travis may turn Binwick into the big bad evil of his next upcoming campaign, maybe someone else is uh, running a, a wholesome, you know, slice of life game, random, you know, side quest of the week. And they're like, oh, great. Now I can throw this Binwick character and be able to use that Funhouse dungeon module that I bought online. And now this is the perfect opportunity to deploy it and stuff. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And I, I would love to see that as well. I'm definitely going to keep my eyes out. I'm going to try and find a way to fit it in. Uh, but that's that's so much fun. I love it. Awesome. Well, like I said, uh, it's final thoughts. And so I give the microphone and the platform over to my guests. So, you know, whatever else you feel like sharing about your experiences today, uh, you know, please do so. Uh, let us know where we can find you on all the social medias and all that good stuff. What projects... Uh, what uh, stuff that isn't covered by a non-disclosure agreement can you talk about? Mm-hmm. And then uh, any other passions, especially, uh, you know, the uh, the blocking 
childhood hunger cause and stuff. Let us know where we can find all that information so we can get plugged in. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on on the show. Uh, I've been really looking forward to it. I know it was hard getting to schedule down and find a way to do it, but I'm really glad that we did. Uh, I had a lot of fun tonight. You know, you can find me personally um, on Twitter at tfrederick72. Um, you can find me all over the Demiplanes, um, and we have YouTube and Twitch at Demiplane RPG. Uh, as well as Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. Uh, you can find my website at uh, demiplane.com or the new pathfindernexus.com for uh, the official digital tool set of Pathfinder. And uh, you're going to see uh, a lot more of the, some really cool stuff that we have coming up uh, soon. We have a lot of things that are going to be uh, announced and as the platform continues to build and grow. And, and I'm really excited about where we're headed um, and it's fun to be a part of this industry. I think that's probably my biggest, my biggest thought. I've uh, done some things in my career that are, are definitely different than this. Uh, obviously, I played football for the, for the Dallas Cowboys for seven years, and uh, it is much different than playing uh, tabletop role-playing games for a living. And I tell you, it has been so much fun moving into this industry because there are so many people like you that just care and want this to be a better industry and want people to have more fun. And uh, that's one of my passions and, and one of the reasons why I started Demiplane was that we wanted to um, allow and to help people have more fun playing these games. You know, we think that the world would be a better place if more people played um, and if people that are playing played more often. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of great uses for games like Dungeons and Dragons or uh, any of the other uh, tabletop role-playing games. And uh, it's one of the things that I used when I was playing football uh, to help me you know, keep my uh, emotional state in check. You know, I was still playing once a week when I was doing that. I used it as a great way to stay connected with my friends over long distances when I wasn't able to, to see them. And I think there's just a lot of great uses for it. And uh, I'm excited to see that it's taking off and I'm excited to see the industry continue to, to grow and, um, and be so accepting. Uh, I think it's a really unique community and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of it. For those of us who want to be involved uh, with the charity work as well, where can we find that? Yeah, you can find the charity website at blockinghunger.org, and you can find us on Twitter at blockinghunger uh, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. You'll find those updates. Uh, we put out a monthly newsletter where you can find out a little bit more about what we're doing on a, on a regular basis, uh, as well as the, the programs. You can learn more about uh, the things that we're doing in the community and find out ways to help at uh, blockinghunger.org. Amazing. Like I said, this is the uh, the Christmas episode at the time of this recording. So, uh, and technically, will be the last episode of the year for 2021. So, I certainly want to thank you and all my guests who have been on the show this year. It's it's been a whirlwind of a year. What with uh, snow apocalypses and new babies <laughs> and uh, moving and all that sort of stuff in my life. So, I certainly thank everyone uh, for your patience as I've been working on catching up on back logs and making sure that uh, everything is up to date. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly grateful for everyone who listens. I'm grateful for every guest who's been on the show. Uh, and in that spirit of Christmas tide, I want to extend uh, a hearty Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. You know, remember the reason for the season uh, and carry forward in that spirit of uh, joy, uh, charity and gratitude. Fantastic. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, 
for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Side KQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our show with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and SideQuests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Oh! Psychics, psycho